Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily podcast on the National Football League. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Built Bar. Use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. I am Brian Peacock alongside the scout Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is a must follow at Williamson NFL. You can find this show on all of your favorite podcast apps. Tell a friend that their team is covered daily right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, just like Locked On Cowboys. And today's guest, Landon McCool, who is the host of Locked On Cowboys. And there's a ton going on in Dallas to get into this offseason. So Landon, first of all, thanks for joining the show, man. And it sounds like Texas Governor Greg Abbott said that pro sports will be permitted there basically in June. And we're seeing multiple governors, including Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, say the same thing, which means we're getting close to this thing, right? Yeah, it's it's crazy because and first of all, thanks for having me on. And I, I you know, we, we, we have no idea how this timeline was going to work. I mean, this all kind of happened suddenly to everyone and, and all all different aspects of our worlds were affected. And so when people started talking about, hey, Sports, you know, like they they canceled the NBA season. We as as football fans were were kind of in a spot where, you know, nothing was really going to be affected immediately except for the draft. And then after the draft, it was a big cloud of who knows. And now we're starting to hear a little bit more from governors and and from the different leadership positions that they they have at least some kind of plan to maybe have sporting events with without. Uh, spectators and and you know you starting to see uh, I saw yesterday that Jerry Jones is is headed back into the stars so it, it sounds like wow they are they are permitting some amount of, of of facilities to be opened up I think that the the rule I saw was that you can have fifty percent of your staff or seventy five people which whichever is less uh, in the building so I, I think that and that that doesn't include players and coaches I think that's just you know execs front office folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, to me, that reads like it's we're at least taking the steps towards getting back on schedule to a, a somewhat normal NFL schedule, I guess. It's a great first step, don't you think? Yeah. Jerry Jones isn't just going to walk back in the office if he doesn't think things are cool. I would I would assume he'd be the last guy in the office peeking around the corner, make sure everything's safe. He list, he would at least send a couple, one or two of his sons in first. I would assume just to see as <laughs> guinea pigs, you know, just to see what happens. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think th- there's a leadership aspect there. I'm sure where he wanted to be, you know, I'm the the, the general manager, owner of this team. I want to be the first person in the building to make sure everyone understands that I, I wouldn't send anybody else to do something I wouldn't do. Which you know, I mean, I I I I, I don't know if that applies with uh, drafting from a super yacht, but. I, I think that he, you know, he he had to show that he was willing to go in, I guess, to get a lot of these other people in and show, hey, it's safe. We're trying to get back to, to some kind of normalcy. This is as good a first step as we can take. Landon, let's start start talking football, though, and talking Cowboys. I think it's one of the most interesting teams in the league. And I think we have to start with the DAC contract situation and the overlap with signing Dalton. My thoughts on the Dalton signing were, hey, Dalton kind of gets to come home. The pressure's off his shoulders. He's on the back, you know, very much the back nine of his career, but he he can kind of be on easy street. And if time calls, he steps up as an extremely high-end backup with a high-powered offense, maybe gets himself a ring or two, 
or maybe ends up being a starter a year or two from now if he gets a, a legit opportunity. But it also puts the pressure on Dak a little, you know, that, hey, if you want to hold out or you don't want to sign, we do have another guy here that can run the show. Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was a good deal for all parties involved. I mean, for, for Andy, you know, he lives literally blocks away from where uh, Jerry Jones lives in Dallas. And so for him, you know, being stuck in, in quarantine like everybody else, not having a job, uh, not having really the ability to go and, and, and uh, you know, do a bunch of tryouts or do get a bunch of medical exams, you know, or at least having very kind of staggered versions of those and, and, and very a lot of minutia to get a lot of red tape. I think for him, you know, he got a, a deal where he's going to go to a team that if he gets an opportunity to play, if, you know, for whatever reason, if Dak gets hurt or whatever, he's going to be uh, in a situation offensively that's going to showcase his best talents. I think when yeah. you see Dalton, you know, his best years in Cincinnati was when he had a, a cast of characters around that could, that he could really kind of distribute the ball to and just let them work. And I think that that's similar to what he'll have in Dallas. So uh, for him, it makes a lot of sense because, again, this is going to be an opportunity to maybe launch him to a job in 2021. And for the Cowboys, you know, they get a comp pick if he goes and signs somewhere else. So it's really kind of a no-lose situation there. And, and as far as the DAC angle goes, at the very least, it provides you with insurance. You know, no matter, you know if something happens to DAC, even not contract-related, not holdout-related, You've got a guy who's a competent backup who you feel can come in and run the show uh, and not just derail what could be a, a good season uh, if you know Dak gets a you know a broken finger or something that you know that can he can come back from. Uh, and I think you know, as far as the competition part of it goes, I, I you know that's not being said ex- explicitly, but I, I do think that you know this is kind of the insurance for. What happens if they can't get this deal done and and they Dak just plays on the franchise tag and, and maybe you know they, they do this all again next year. They re-sign Dalton and, and then re-franchise tag Dak and see if they want to do that. And then maybe at some point they make the decision, okay, well, we, we're not we we just we can't come to a deal with Dak. Uh we've already have Andy Dalton in the fold. Maybe he's our 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 you know our bridge between this and the next quarterback solution, you know, and we go and draft another guy. I don't think that that's, I don't think at all that that's their plan. I I think that's far and away the last thing that they want to do. But I I mean, I I can't rule out the the fact that that is some sort of insurance for not only Dak's contract, but some sort of injury situation with Dak as well. Where is the bargaining on this contract? Because the Cowboys do have some leverage there with that next franchise tag. And if I'm the Cowboys, I'm not doing anything stupid monetarily, knowing that I have that option. And if I'm Dak, I might not show up if I don't have the long-term contract that I want. And it sounds like it might not even be money that's really holding this thing up, which is kind of surprising. You know, I mean, money is certainly involved, but to me, everything I've been hearing is that the, the, the debate between these two camps has been about years, you know, and the Cowboys want to get, Dak on a five-year deal. They want to be able to move that money around and that giving that extra year gives them the opportunity to kind of play the shell game with the with the money in the spreadsheets like Stephen Jones likes to do. Uh, I think for Dak, he wants another bite at the apple, you know, and, and right in his prime. And I think, you know, what's where we are now is it has been a five-year versus four-year situation for a long time. And then just recently, I think yesterday, Mike Fisher 
uh, reported uh, he's a beat writer for for the Cowboys. It reported that the that Dak was willing to to add a fifth year to his deal, uh, but he wanted forty five million dollars for that fifth year. And I think there was a lot of sticker shock for a lot of Cowboys fans when they saw that, <laughs> yeah. and, and and you know you see a lot of the responses. But I think if you look at you know what the the going rate for franchise quarterbacks is going to be in five years. I mean, I, I would be I wouldn't even be surprised if the the franchise quarterback number was higher than forty five million uh, by, by five years from now. You know, I mean, once Mahomes gets his deal and some of these other guys get signed, th- that number is just going to continue to go up. Now, the thing that really I think is interesting now is with the, all this discussion about you know playing these games in, in stadiums without people in them. I wonder if we aren't going to have some regression on the salary cap next year. And if we do, how does that, you know, start to affect negotiations? I, you know, I kind of think in the back of my head that the NFL owners won't allow that, you know, that they'll, they'll figure out a way to just, you know, kind of buoy the the salary cap and, you know, they're the ones who make the rules. So they're probably not going to make the rules for them to lose. But I, I can I, I do wonder if th- that does happen if we get kind of a negative effect next year in the salary cap. I mean, what kind of effect is that going to have on these uh, on these contract negotiations with with Dak? Yeah, I, I think that's important with Mahomes and Watson and you know all these teams. The Eagles are really cash strapped right now. Dallas is always close to it anyway. You know, Kansas City, are they going to have to let Chris Jones and Sammy Watkins go just to keep Mahomes? You know, I I wonder if the league will not drop the cap for the year, but like maybe take a loan from the future saying, we know business is good. Let's not cripple these teams too much. And that affects the Cowboys a lot. Yeah, it sure does. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, like you said, the Cowboys basically have designed their cap policy to compensate for uh, the the in- annual increases each year, the TV deals get more and more, and, and the Cowboys, you know, they are reliant on that. So having a season where the cap is flat or go, you know, heaven forbid, goes negative, I mean, that could be very terrible for a couple different cap situations around the league because these teams are are used to being able to use the mechanism of the cap, rolling over free space from one season to the other, you know, and and and, and just relying on the fact that the cap is going to be a larger number each season. Uh, I, I think for them to kind of get a monkey wrench thrown into that plan, I can't imagine that they're just going to say, "Oh, well, we'll 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 work around it." I, I have to think that they'll they'll do something league wide to kind of alleviate that for all teams. Okay, we we got to talk actually a little bit more Dak here, and of course the rest of the Cowboys roster, how things look in the NFC East, and improve group of receivers that Dak will be throwing to in 2020 next. Folks, I want to tell you about the Built Bar. You maybe haven't heard of them yet, but trust me, you're going to hear about them a lot because they're a new sponsor on the Locked On Network. They sent me a box the other day, and the box is gone. My family just crushed it. So they're going to be a popular thing in the Williamson household. I think you need to check them out, too. They're they're tasty. I mean, my kids honestly don't care about the the wonderful uh, attributes that's it's making their bodies. They just want to eat good stuff. And it, it's a protein bar that really does taste like a candy bar. It comes in 16 amazing flavors. Eight of them are chocolate and nut flavors. And the other eight are chocolate and nut-free flavors. We know a lot of people have allergies and whatnot. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. And trust me, around here, my family, especially my wife, is they're chocolate connoisseurs, and they certainly approve. It's soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. 
Lose or maintain weight, weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, but it doesn't taste that way. Trust me. Um, here's the flavor flavor profile. Like a peanut butter brownie one has 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, only three grams of sugar, three grams of net carbs. Um, the mint brownie one is 15 grams of protein, only 110 calories, four grams of sugars, five grams of net carbs. So folks do this, go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on all one word, and you'll get $10 off your first order promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys. Our guest today, we're talking the Dallas Cowboys, of course. Uh, one more question I have about Dak Prescott and how this whole thing comes together. And I don't know where you would rank Dak Prescott on your list of quarterbacks. I know Matt really likes Dak, and, and I'm fond of Dak as well. He's not in that top tier of quarterbacks. If you pay him top tier money, Maybe he's not worth stupid money. Maybe he's not worth top, top of the market money, which, uh, which he, he should be asking for. So he, he's not wrong asking for it. But you can't not re-sign Dak either. So it seems like the situation where either way, it's like almost a bad scenario in some cases unless Dak just goes off, which is entirely possible throughout his next contract. I'm kind of of the mind that the Cowboys have to pay him. You know, I, I just think that there are very few of these guys in the league. And even though... Uh, you know, we are certainly in a in a section where I feel like there is as much good quarterback play as there been, has been in a long time. I think you're, you're starting to see, you know, the the old guard is giving their last few years left. I still think that some of these guys still have good years left in them. And then you see the kind of rise of, of the new class of, of, of quarterbacks that are coming in. So, you know, this was one of the few off seasons where it felt like, you know, quarterbacks situations, you know, I mean, the fact Cam Newton couldn't find a job, you know, and then the fact that Andy Dalton was relegated to a backup job, I think that shows you where at least teams feel like they are in the quarter, their own quarterback market. Having said all that, I don't know that they're, I mean, I personally look at quarterbacks like with franchise quarterbacks one way you pay the market value or you don't, you know, and it's like, it's not like these other positions where, you know, there's I think you can haggle in position. It's the next guy up is going to get the next biggest deal. And then that's just how it's been, it seemingly for the last few years. And as far as whether Dak is worth it or not, I, I mean, I if I'm paying a quarterback, I, I want a guy who really can operate in and out of structure because I see what, you know, guys like Jared Goff, who, you know, you get a structure around him and he can operate it. There's absolutely, you know, when, when things are looking the way they do in practice, when, uh, you know, when, when things don't break down in front of him, when, when it, when it works the way it's supposed to, Jared Goff is incredibly accurate and can get it done where I think Jared Goff has problems not to harp on golf, but I think he's, this is a good example, you know, where, when things get tight, when, when he has to improvise, that's where he has problems. And I think Dak is one of the few guys in the league who can operate in and out of structure. And I think that has value. And, and, and that, that, that's a guy who, even when your scheme is not right, he can make you right with, with playmaking ability using his, his legs and his eyes and his, and his arm outside the pocket. So for me, I, I, I honestly don't really care what the number is. I, I think you got to pay Dak – what the market value is. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Then you start this whole thing over when the contract's over. But I, I think you have to take a bite at the apple at the most important position in football. 
uh, and then go for it. And if and if it if it fails, then you try something new. But I I can't. I just don't see any situation where not paying Dak and letting him walk. I mean, especially as a Cowboys fan who lived through the two thousands and saw the parade of 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 quarterbacks that came before Tony Romo uh, and after Troy Aikman. I, I just I don't want to live in that world anymore. So I would rather ride and die with Dak. And if it doesn't work, then you know you get out of that deal and you see what you've got at, at that point. Land, I, I 100% agree with you on Dak. And to take even a step further, I think at this stage of his career, he brings great toughness, which he's always had, and leadership, respect. It's his team. And the money is monopoly money. It just doesn't matter at this point. I mean, at the quarterback position, two years from now, now somebody's going to make, you know, 50 million. I don't know what I mean. It's just, it, it doesn't really matter. You have to pay him. You have to keep him. but I want to stick with this Dallas offense. So every time the chiefs snapped the ball last year, on average, they gained 6.2 yards. Well, that's a distant second to your Cowboys who <laughs> are at 6.5 and that's insane to me. And that's without C.D. Lamb. Sure, they had Cobb and Frederick, which I don't want to overlook. But now you add McCarthy to the mix. And I think you're going to see more three receiver sets. I think his time away from the game is going to be really intriguing, probably profitable. And you mix him with what was already there, keeping Kellen Moore. What are your takes on what's going to change from last year? You know, I think there's been a lot of conversation about that. And I, and I think, you know, for X's and O's guys, you, you look at what was there previously with Jason Garrett in the kind of Coriel-based offense, and, and you look at what McCarthy brings in, a very traditional kind of West Coast-based offense. You know, like, how are you going to get these guys to play well together, especially yeah. in, a, in, a, in a shortened season, no offseason? How are these guys going to coalesce around an offense? Uh, it seems to me that all the talk that we've been hearing – uh, is that Mike McCarthy is a huge Kellen Moore fan, uh, and I and I think it kind of all goes back. And 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 Matt, you're you're a Pittsburgh guy, so you could probably correct me if I'm wrong. I think it all goes back to McCarthy's relationship with Paul Hackett and Paul Hackett's relationship with uh, with Kellen Moore's coach at, at Boise. Uh, I think that they kind of share a lot of the same language, going way way back to Pittsburgh. Uh, and I think he just has a lot of faith in what Kellen Moore was doing at certain points uh, with the Cowboys last season. I think that Jason Garrett at, you know, depending on the game, depending on the opponent, you know, maybe on road games, I think he really tried to rein in Kellen Moore at times. And, and, and he wanted to go back to establishing the run and, and you know, having a run centered game and, and making sure that they were being physical. And that's, that was their kind of recipe for winning games in the road. And a lot of that didn't necessarily kind of match up with what Kellen Moore wanted to do. Kellen Moore wanted to do a lot, be multiple, show a lot of shifts, show a lot of motion. Uh, uh, you know, he's big. He's big on analytics, so he wanted to kind of you know throw the ball on first down more. And uh, so I, I think if the thought process that we've been having at this point is that McCarthy is going to come in and just basically unleash Kellen Moore. And maybe play sequencing, uh, maybe you know some of the the actual game scripting that's going on, uh, and some of the actual technique work with Dak himself. That's where McCarthy is going to try to come in and make his impression on this offense. I definitely, definitely, definitely anticipate more eleven personnel, like you mentioned, obviously because of of Ceedee Lamb. But beyond that, too, McCarthy, like you mentioned, has a great history in eleven personnel. 
And, you know, I was looking at the numbers the other day. Someone pointed out Zeke Elliott is the best running back in football in 11 personnel. Uh, when he when he gets that when he's in that personnel grouping and the the numbers in the box are the way that they usually are in, in reaction to that, uh, Zeke really shines in that area. So I I think that you're you're dead on. I think that there is going to be a lot more eleven personnel just simply because you're going to get all the best playmakers you have on your on your offense on the field at once, and the guys that you have on the field seem to play at their best with that personnel group. Real quick, just to finish up the Zeke conversation, where are you at with how this will affect Zeke's overall numbers? So, like, if you were in your fantasy league drafting Zeke, do you think he's more valuable now, less valuable now, more in the passing game? Uh, he's going to have less touches overall. How do you think this offense will affect just Zeke? I think he'll have similar touches. Um, they may be distributed differently. You know, I think that I, I one thing that they kind of refused to do a lot of uh, was put Zeke out and route, especially out of the backfield at times. You know, they 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 like to do a lot of screens, and he's obviously incredible uh, at, at catching those screens and then and working that way. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more route running out of the backfield, just because that's something I think he can do. A lot of that had to do with the fact that they really love his pass blocking. You know, and that he was actually, you know, like a, a six offensive lineman out there. I, I was watching some tape yesterday. Someone had posted where he had uh, actually executed a, a stunt pass off with the center at one point. I was like, I don't, you don't see running backs doing that very often. <laughs> uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I think he's really good at pass blocking. And so there was a there was a tendency to kind of leave him in a, at that. But I wouldn't be surprised if he got kind of similar touches but maybe they were distributed differently. And, and I, I would say, to a note to fantasy fans, maybe be a little bit wary because I know for a fact that they really like Tony Pollard. And, and I'm, I mean, if you've watched any of Tony Pollard, you can see why. He clearly is dynamic, and when he has the ball in his hands, uh, you know, he produced as much as anybody after contact you know, in the league on, on very few touches. So I would say that they're going to find a way to get Tony Pollard involved a lot more heavily in the offense. I, but I also don't know that that necessarily is coming at the expense fully of Zeke Elliott. I wouldn't be surprised to see them both on the field at times. Uh, uh, you know, Pollard doing some jet sweep stuff with Zeke in the backfield as well. So I, I think that you'll see similar touches with Zeke. I just, I think the way that they're, you know, built will be uh, slightly different. More with Locked On Cowboys co-host Landon McCool coming up, talking draft and rookie wide receiver CeeDee Lamb. Before CeeDee Lamb fell in their lap, there was a lot of talk that Pollard was going to be their third receiver. You know, get the, just your five best skill guys on the field. I absolutely think you'll have a role, a lot of mouths to feed there. I, I'm not even talking fantasy. It's just a wealth of riches is what I'm getting at here. Yeah. Um, you talked about the more McCarthy relationship and I hope Cowboy fans, well, I want uh, Cowboy fans should hope it goes that way. I want McCarthy to be more CEO than have the big, you know, play sheet in front of his face. I want him to be big picture, veteran coach, thinker. And where I'm going with this is we talked about how awesome the Dallas offense is and was, but they were one of the worst net penalty teams in the league. They had some of the worst starting field position by average in the league. Their special teams were horrific. So just a veteran head coach overseeing those phases could really have a strong ripple effect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I think horrific is 
is pretty kind for it what is. the special it's teams. Nice. Was. I, I, I mean, to be honest, last year uh, our special teams were run by a guy who has no coaching experience uh, and who has now since gone back into the Cowboys uh, scouting department, where from which he was pulled from to be the special teams coach. So that shows you exactly you know what they thought of his job. And then of course they, they bring in the both. first one in the facility to test. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right, right next to Jerry. Hey, coach, my, my boss, right. I'm here. Uh, no, too. Make sure it's not poison. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you know, I think it's not coincidence that they threw up their hands after last year and said, we need to get ourselves someone serious. And they went out and got bones fossil who, you know, made the, the, the Rams special team, by the way, I mean, Jim yeah, Fossil's absolutely. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he had the, the Rams special teams took a, a little bit of a dip last year, but I mean, one of the best special teams coaches in football and has produced some of my favorite special teams moments, including I, I, Still can't get over that fake punt return. Have you seen that one where they have two returners and one guy lines up like the main returner lines up on one side of the field like he's like he's taking a punt and and none of the gunners notice that the punt is actually going to the other side of the field. Yeah. And the returner grabs it and runs completely unadvised. It's, it's crazy. Some Plus of the stuff he does. Johnny, is- your Cowboys might have to trade for Johnny Hacker now too. That that's that has been the talk. Like I mean, ever <laughs> since Greg Greg Zerling got signed, everyone's been like, when is when is Johnny Hacker coming over? So I, I I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But to get to your point, yeah, I think you know starting field position obviously was a huge part of this, and and not just in special teams, but in defense too, because the Cowboys couldn't you know create turnovers. They were terrible at creating turnovers. Yeah. They were. If they weren't dead last in interceptions, they were at the very bottom five for sure. And so I, I think, you know, that's the thing that has Cowboys fans scratching their heads. You know, you look at all these numbers from last season with the offense, and it's ridiculous. You said it. They average more per play than the Kansas City Chiefs, and they go eight and eight, they, and they can't, you know, get into the into the you know points, top five of per point scoring last year. I, you know, a lot of it had to do, like we said, like field position, they weren't getting set up well by their defense or special teams and then not finishing in the red zone has, has been a problem at, at times too. So that's how you go from having maybe the best per play offense in the NFL uh, and translating into an eight and eight team with, uh, with not even top five points scored. And Brian, everyone knows how dorky I am about field goal misses equal turnovers. Uh, Dallas missed. 10 uh, oh, I mean, you talk about just setting the other team up at midfield. Yeah, it was it was honestly, I mean, looking back at, at last season, part of me wonders if I, I, and, I, you know, if they, if they weren't just set up for terrible, you know, they weren't set up for success, you know, because the, the whole special team situation, the way it was, they had a kicker who I mean, you mentioned you mentioned it. He was missing games. He was missing kicks for almost the whole season and before they actually did something about it. So. Yeah, it just felt like there was a certain point where there was a lot of problems in the defensive side of the field. The coaches weren't getting along. We had the linebacker coach who got sent home, you know, I mean, basically because he was just, he was doing such a poor job. Uh, it, it it really was a organizational mess uh, coaching-wise. So, I mean, it's hard not to think that you get a, a competent Super Bowl-winning coach in here and this team doesn't improve at least a game or two. Hey, and McCarthy's not the only guy with head coaching experience brought in. John Fossil, also interim head coach for the Rams post Fisher pre McVeigh era. And I think his 
record is 0-1 as a head coach. And but, Mike Nolan, too. You're oh, uh, right. You're oh, you're I forgot about Mike Nolan, who was the guy who hired Mike McCarthy in San Francisco. That's right. And then McCarthy was one and done with the 49ers and jumped ship from Alex Smith to Aaron Rodgers. I wonder if he uh, had a higher grade on Rodgers before the draft when they decided to make that decision in 2005. But that's a that's a podcast for another day. Um, NFL draft. I mean, Jerry... I mean, who had a nicer draft war room? I know a lot was made of Cliff Kingsbury's landscaping yeah. and his very minimal uh, <laughs> new school approach to a draft war room. But I mean, Jerry might have had him beat on the mega yacht. And oh, he by- definitely. <laughs> Can we just talk about the difference between millionaires and billionaires? Real right. Quick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the He's billionaire like- <laughs> has a nice house with floor to ceiling glass windows. The billionaire is parked off of Rome in his 45 foot super yacht you know like they think that's that's the difference between nice and oh my gosh where is he nice and here's what pisses off the rest of the fan bases of other teams in the nfl not only do the cowboys call themselves america's team but they're billionaire owners sitting in a yacht and then has this amazing draft that everybody's giving an a grade to and somehow somebody like cd lamb falls into their lap how does cd lamb fit into the cowboys offense well, I mean, I don't know that anybody anticipated this happening. I mean, I, I, I mean, it really. I think we on the Locked On Cowboys had gone over all the different prospects for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we thought we had covered all our bases. And we talked about CD Lamb, but only kind of. And we did a special pod of, hey, these are guys that there's no way they're falling to us, uh, but we'll talk about them just in case you know there's a shot in the dark. And, and CD was in that list. You know, I think he comes in. And fits right in as your slot receiver. I, I would not be surprised if he got wide receiver two type uh, targets immediately. I mean, I think it's like I said, it's tough with the with the off season the way it is, and the sh- you know the shortened OTAs. I'm assuming and mini camps probably going to be a little bit off, and you know, so th- it's not going to be a normal schedule. But I feel like they can put in a package of plays that get CD Lamb you know open, or or they can throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. He had success in college uh, coming out of the slot, uh, has ability to play outside as well, obviously, and so does Cooper. So they can they can mix those guys around, move them around as needed. Uh, you know, I've, I've even heard rumors that, you know, they're, they're talk, talking about getting some stuff where CeeDee Lamb's in the backfield. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I think that Kellen Moore is the kind of guy who loves getting toys like this because he will scheme up something special for him. I mean, he was able to scheme up stuff for Tavon Austin. I can't imagine what he's going to scheme up for a guy like CeeDee Lamb. And to your point, um, you know, I think Lamb will be really good out of the slot, and he's so good with the ball in his hands. But I expect a lot of pre-snap motion from him, you know, jet action, things like that that could be deceptive or mm-hmm. get him the football, bubble screens. I think his presence, kind of like you mentioned, might allow Amari to move to the slot a higher percentage of the time and really feast. You know, I mean, yeah. you could have a trickle-down effect there. A lot of good news, obviously, on offense. I mean, the defense, to me, obviously isn't as strong. You yeah. mentioned the addition of Nolan, and I think that's great. I think they'll be less predictable with their fronts and coverages and be a little more scheme-based than execution-based. But in the end, you got to cause more turnovers, and that's a question that's almost impossible to answer. Yeah, I mean, that's – and honestly, it's been the dragon that these guys have been chasing for, for years. I mean, trying to create turnovers. Yeah. And and I think you nailed it. It is – it's a 
uh, scheme versus execution system. You know, they basically were uh, a one gap, three, four, cover one, cover three team under uh, the the former uh, defensive coordinator with Richard and, and Marinelli. Uh, and I think that, you know, you're going to see some, you know, to the, to the kind of naked eye and to the, 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 the casual fan, it may look very similar. I think they will run more kind of four, three principles, uh, but I think that you're right. They're going to they're going to disguise what they're doing a little bit more. That was something that they famously did not want to do uh, last season with, with the Cowboys defense. So you're going to see a lot more disguises. I think you're going to see players put into better position to do what they do best. Uh, I think that, you know, they're talking about moving Leighton Van Der Esch inside to Mike and then having Jalen play kind of a will position, which is a, the will in, in the Nolan defense is not like just a traditional off ball, see ball, hit 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 ball carrier type will. Uh, he does a lot of blitzing as well. He'll be moving forward, attacking the line of scrimmage, which I think is what Jalen does best. Uh, I think you're going to see, you know, now that they've gotten, they p- picked up two defensive tackles. One of the other things that, that Marinelli refused to do was was get bigger, stronger, you know, bodies inside. And then, and since he's gone, they've he signed Don Terry Poe. Um, and Gerald McCoy. And I think that will hopefully allow them to be a little bit more creative up front, maybe even some uh, sprinkling in some two gap principles uh, in order to get their, get their run defense, right. Uh, Hopefully the bigger guys inside will keep their linebackers more clean. You know, I think it's, they're looking for a, to make up with some of the talent they lost with Byron Jones and Robert Quinn with a more, holistic approach uh and, and you know, a, a rising tide raises all boats sort of situation where with with a little bit of help with scheme you know some some putting some players in the right position to kind of make plays and then you know they're definitely hoping for some secret sauce out of either the alden smith situation or the randy gregory situation yeah you know, good I, point. I think you know the, alden smith the 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 reports that have come out have been you know obviously incredible who knows what that translates to actual football production, you know, and with Randy Gregory, he's one of those guys who, I mean, he takes a year off football and he comes in and gets three weeks uh, of practice. And suddenly he's sacking the quarterback again. He's, he's a freaky Gumby type bender that, you know, that, that doesn't really go away at 27. So if he can find a way back, I think he can be a guy who could be a good rotational defensive end at some point as well once he kind of gets up to speed so there's just a lot of unknown and a lot of you know what what are the coverages going to look like are we doing more middle of the field open coverages are we doing more kind of cover two stuff as opposed to cover one cover three what does that mean for our safeties and our corners i mean there's lots of trickle down questions that probably are not going to get fully answered until we start seeing these guys on field during training camp Landon, unfortunately, we're out of time here. We could uh, continue this talk all day. It's a fascinating team in a fascinating division. Can the Cowboys rebound from their 8-8 eight and eight disappointing season and get into the playoffs, overtake the Eagles in the NFC East? You guys got to check out Landon's work with Marcus Mosher at Locked On Cowboys. You can find Landon on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, really appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for joining us here on Locked On NFL. Hey, it was my pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. Tomorrow is Twitter Thursday. Tag me or Matt at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL, and we'll hit those questions on tomorrow's program right here, Locked on NFL.